Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 25th of January. India reported a little over 13,000 new COVID-19 cases on Monday and the overall tally remained over the 1.06 crore or 10.6 million mark. National recoveries have crossed 1.03 crores or 10.3 million, while active cases remained under 2 lakhs. Fresh fatalities recorded per day saw a drop with 131 deaths reported nationwide in the last 24 hours. This was the lowest death count reported in a day in the last eight months. Tata Medical and Diagnostics is said to have started initial discussions with US-based pharma firm Moderna for a partnership to launch its COVID-19 vaccine in India. According to an Economic Times report citing officials, Tata could team up with Indian Council of Scientific and Industrial Research or CSIR to carry out clinical trials of Moderna's vaccine candidate in India. The Uttarakhand government has said that devotees will be allowed at the Kumbh Mela in Haridwar provided they produce a COVID-negative RT-PCR report that was issued not later than 72 hours ago. The state government also said that the devotees will have to download the Arogya Setu app. It also advised people over the age of 65 years, pregnant women and those who are ill and children below 10 years of age to not attend the event. The farmers' agitation against the centre's new farm laws has been going on for more than two months now. The Delhi police has given permission to the farmers to hold a tractor rally on January 26 after the annual Republic Day parade. The police said that the tractors of farmers will be allowed through certain designated entry and exit points. The police added that intelligence inputs indicate that some people may try to disrupt the peaceful rally by the farmers. Farmer leaders today meanwhile said that they will meet the Delhi police again today to decide a time and route for their tractor rally as they were not satisfied with the kind of permission granted to them. Sukhvinder Singh Sabra of the Farmers' Union Kisan Mazdoor Sangharsh Committee said and I quote, We feel that the kind of permission granted to us for the tractor rally is not right. We wanted to go to the old ring road but we were given conditional permission and assigned the portion that comes largely under Haryana. Unquote. Ahead of the rally tomorrow, convoys of doctors and paramedics under the banner of Indian Doctors for Peace and Development left for Delhi borders from Punjab to provide medical assistance to the protesters during the Republic Day rally. The Delhi police has said that it is making tight security arrangements due to the inputs about possible attempts to disrupt the rally. In a circular, the Delhi Police Commissioner directed that all officers and personnel, as well as Central Armed Police Forces posted for Republic Day Parade security arrangements, should be prepared for an extended deployment to maintain law and order in the wake of the tractor rally. Farmer demonstrations, meanwhile, spread to the state of Maharashtra as well. Over 6,000 farmers from 21 districts across Maharashtra arrived in Mumbai in a convoy of 500 vehicles. They are set to begin their three-day sit-in at the Azad Maidan in support of the protesting farmers at the Delhi borders. Senior leaders from different parties, including the Nationalist Congress Party or NCP Chief Sharad Pawar, will be addressing the gathering today. The farmers have gathered under the banner of the All India Kisan Sabha or AIKS Maharashtra unit. Talking about the gathering, former Chief Minister of Maharashtra and BJP leader Devendra Fadnavis accused the Congress and the NCP of misguiding the farmers of the state. Meanwhile, according to a report by the Hindu, the Uttar Pradesh police yesterday rolled back an order asking fuel stations in Ghazipur not to sell petrol to tractor owners so that they are prevented from participating in the Farmers' Republic Day rally. The police said that the notice had been issued, quote-unquote, by mistake. The National Investigation Agency, or NIA, recently postponed the questioning of United Kingdom-based NGO Khalsa Aid in connection with a case involving secessionist groups SFJ or Sikhs for Justice that advocates Khalistan. 
The NIA on January 16th had summoned the India team of Khalsa aid for questioning in the same case. Two days later, it was announced that the NGO was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Many reports have hinted that the NIA's deferring of the questioning was brought about by the NGO's Nobel nomination. In the recent past, various people supporting the farmers' protests directly or indirectly have been summoned by the NIA in the SFJ case. Multiple ministers in the current government have also made remarks of the alleged involvement of Khalistani elements in the farmer protests. But where did the Khalistan narrative arise from? And what made a section of the Indian media lap up the narrative and play it up repeatedly? News Laundry reporter Nidhi Suresh in her latest report details how the Khalistan narrative was born out of story that was made up by a media and PR wing of Pakistan's armed forces. To know more about how the narrative was started in the neighbouring country and was picked up by sections of the Indian media here at home, do read the report titled Pakistan's ISPR made up a story of Khalistani hand in farmers' protest. Indian media lapped it up. And while you're on newslaundry.com, you will find our complete coverage of the farmers' protests since the day they began. You'll find stories in the form of interviews, video reports, explainers, ground reports, podcasts and a lot more. Dear listeners, News Laundry is a 100% ad-free media critique and news platform bringing you stories that matter. If you like our work, please do consider supporting us by hitting that subscribe button on the top right corner of our website. The lowest subscription starts at 300 rupees a month only. Pay to keep news free. Dear listeners, please consider this a trigger warning as the following news story contains graphic details of sexual assault. The Bombay High Court, in a shocking ruling, has said that groping a minor's breast over the clothes without skin-to-skin contact cannot be termed as sexual assault as defined by the Protection of Children from Sexual Offences Act. The controversial order that could have implications on a range of cases was given by Justice Pushpa Ganeriwala of the Nagpur bench of the Bombay High Court in which a man was acquitted of sexual assault against a minor. A detailed copy of the judgment which was passed on 19th of January was made available yesterday. The judge said in her verdict that mere groping will not come under the definition of sexual assault. In the verdict, Justice Ganeriwala modified the order of a sessions court which had sentenced a 39-year-old man to three years of imprisonment for sexually assaulting a 12-year-old girl under Section 8 of the POSCO Act. Saying that Section 8 of the POSCO Act entails stringent punishment of five years rigorous imprisonment, the High Court observed that stricter proof and serious allegations are required. As per the prosecution and the victim's testimony in court, in the incident dating back to 2016, the accused, Satish Ragre, had taken the girl to his house in Nagpur on the pretext of giving her guavas to eat. Upon getting there, he had pressed her breasts and attempted to undo her clothes. The High Court bench in her order said, and I quote, As such, there is no direct physical contact that is skin to skin with sexual intent without penetration. The act of pressing breasts can be a criminal force to a woman or a girl with the intention to outrage her modesty. Unquote. The court further added, and I quote again, In view of the above discussion, this court holds that the appellant is acquitted under Section 8 of the POSCO Act and convicted under a minor offence under Section 354 of IPC and sentenced to undergo rigorous imprisonment. Unquote. While Section 354 entails a minimum sentence of imprisonment up to one year, sexual assault under POSCO Act entails minimum imprisonment of three years. Kanchan Nanavare, a student rights activist who was arrested in 2014 for her alleged Maoist links, died of a cardiac arrest and a brain ailment at a hospital in Pune yesterday. 
According to a report by The Wire, Nana Vare, along with her husband, was arrested and booked under several sections of the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act or UAPA. The Maharashtra Anti-Terrorism Squad or ATS had alleged that the two were members of the Golden Corridor Committee of Maoists who were trying to recruit people from urban areas. Nanavari, however, was not convicted in the case and had been awaiting trial for six years. Nanavari's lawyer, Parth Shah, said that over the last two years, Nanavari had moved both the Sessions Court and the Bombay High Court for bail multiple times. He said that her plea was rejected each time. Her application was moved to the Bombay High Court in October last year based on medical grounds. Her lawyer had cited her worsening health condition. During the hearing, the court was told that a heart transplant was the only alternative available to ensure the activist survives. The court then formed a committee to look into her health condition and the need for urgent medical care. The matter, however, took months to be heard and Nanavari lost her life due to her ailments. Nanavari had already been acquitted in six of the nine cases that she was booked under. The activist's family told The Wire that she was born with a heart ailment and she had developed a brain ailment in the past week. Neither the Yerwara jail nor hospital authorities informed her family or her lawyers till her brain surgery was conducted on 16th of January. In another development related to the UAPA, the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights or OHCHR has urged the Indian government to release the imprisoned activists for the 2018 Bhima Koregao case. The human rights body said that the activists should be released at the very least on bail. Several activists, including Varvara Rao, Stan Swami, Gautam Naulakha, Shoma Sen and Sudha Bharadwaj, were arrested in 2018 and remain in custody even as the case is being investigated. Dear listeners, wonder why these activists are behind bars despite the fact that the investigation against them is currently going on and nothing has been proved yet? What all these arrests have in common that they have been booked under the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act or UAPA. The UAPA is an anti-terrorism law which has been used against activists associated with the Bhima Koregao case, the CAA protest and even a journalist on his way to cover the Hathras rape and murder. How is this law draconian and why do people arrested under it often find themselves without legal recourse after ending up in jail? My colleague Meghnath, in his explainer on the UAPA on our website, answers all these questions. So head to our website newslaundry.com and check out the video explainer titled Explained Why is UAPA a Draconian Law? A recent report by Oxfam has highlighted just how deep income inequality is in our country. According to the report, and I quote, India's 100 billionaires have seen their fortunes increase by close to 13 lakh crore rupees since March 2020, enough to give each one of the 138 million poorest Indian people a cheque of rupees 94,045 each. Unquote. This includes the likes of Mukesh Ambani and Gautam Adani. Mukesh Ambani was declared as the fourth richest man on earth just last August in the middle of the pandemic. Oxfam said that other top India billionaires like Shivnadar, Cyrus Poonawala, Uday Kotak, Azim Premji, Sunil Mittal, Radha Krishnan Damani, Kumar Mangalam Birla and Lakshmi Mittal working in sectors like coal, oil, telecom, medicines, pharmaceuticals, education and retail also saw an exponential rise in wealth since March last year. The report titled The Inequality Virus said that the wealth of the country's billionaires increased by an estimated 35% during the lockdown, while 84% of households suffered varying degrees of income loss and 1.7 lakh people lost their jobs every hour in April 2020 alone. 
Oxfam India CEO Amitabh Behar said in a statement and I quote again the report shows how the rigged economic system is enabling a super rich elite to amass wealth in the middle of the worst recession and the biggest economic crisis in the history of independent India while billions of people are struggling to make ends meet it reveals how the pandemic is deepening the long standing economic caste ethnic and gender divides unquote and now for some international updates Globally the covid tally has surpassed the 99 million mark and is suspected to reach 100 million cases in the next few days. Over 21.3 million people worldwide have lost their lives to the pandemic since it began. Of the global covid tally more than 54.7 million people have recovered from the infection so far. And now for some covid updates from different countries. A White House official said today that the United States President Joe Biden will reimpose the COVID travel restrictions on most non-American citizens who have been in Britain, Brazil, Ireland and most of Europe recently. The official added that the president will also extend the ban to travelers who have recently been to South America amid warnings that more infectious variants of the virus are already establishing themselves in the United States. The CEO of Google Sundar Pichai said today that his company will open up its spaces in the United States to serve as mass coronavirus vaccination centers. He also said that the company has committed to more than 150 million dollars to promote vaccine education. The Prime Minister of Netherlands Mark Rutte today condemned the anti-lockdown riots that took place in the country over the weekend. He described the riots as criminal actions and not protests. He said that the riots underlined the need for a nighttime curfew. Rioters in the Dutch city of Eindhoven started blazes and pelted rocks at the police at an unauthorized protest against the lockdown measures on Sunday. The police arrested at least 30 people in the city and used tear gas and water cannons to disperse crowds. In Amsterdam, the police also used a water cannon at a major protest at a city square. These clashes came a day after the anti-lockdown rioters set ablaze a COVID testing facility in a Dutch fishing village. Australia's Federal Health Minister announced today that the Australian government will be suspending its travel bubble with New Zealand for 72 hours. This came after concerns were raised that a single case of community transmission reported in New Zealand was of the South African variant of COVID-19. In another update from Australia, a statement from the Prime Minister's office said that the Pfizer vaccine had met strict standards for safety, quality and efficacy. It added that the vaccine had been approved for rollout in Australia for people aged 16 years and above. In Mexico meanwhile the country's president Andrés Manuel López became the latest world leader to contract COVID-19. Before I sign off a small announcement there will be no episode of Daily Dose tomorrow. However news laundry reporters will be out and about to cover the Republic Day tractor rally in Delhi tomorrow. So do keep a tab on our website newslaundry.com for the latest updates and detailed ground reports. That's all for today have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you day after. All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.